Today on the Church Next podcast, hear Bishop Eugene Sutton's reflections on the Lambeth Conference of 2022. Hi, welcome to the Church Next podcast. My name is Elizabeth Brignac. I'll be your host today. We, Carrie and I, have been doing the podcast together, and I think it's definitely more fun to make that way and probably more fun to listen to that way. But Carrie is out of town, so it's just me today but Carrie will be back. Originally scheduled for 2020 and postponed due to the COVID-19 pandemic, the most recent Lambeth Conference finally was able to meet in late July and early August of 2022. In our session today, Bishop Eugene Sutton of the Diocese of Maryland offers his perspective on the 2022 Lambeth Conference. He offers an overview of what exactly the conference is and why it matters. He discusses the current place the conference holds as an Anglican church moral authority and our discomfort with the idea of a moral authority. (laughs) He talks about the main issues discussed at the 2022 conference and issues that were not discussed. This is Bishop Sutton's second Lambeth conference. He attended his first in 2008, soon after his appointment as Bishop of the Diocese of Maryland. If you'd like to support our work, please consider a $9 monthly subscription. It gives you access to over 400 online classes. They cover everything from gardening and spirituality of gardening to vestry training materials to theological perspectives to Bible study. It's really worth, well worth, $9 a month. You get a lot of information from a lot of really, really brilliant people. Your support helps us produce digital experiences that help shape disciples. So the Lambeth Conference, one of four major instruments that unite the Anglican Communion across the world. We're going to talk both about this Lambeth Conference and about what the Lambeth Conference is, since a lot of people are only sort of vaguely aware of it. It's a meeting of bishops from all the provinces of the Anglican Communion, and it usually takes place every 10 years. Today, Bishop Sutton offers an overview of what exactly the conference is and why it matters, that the Lambeth Conference and other meetings between members of the global Anglican Communion continue to happen, particularly as we're in a sort of digital age now where we don't all need to be in the same room. So why does it matter that we keep doing this? Some of the major themes he engages include the nature and extent of the Lambeth Conference's authority, the major issues that divide the Global Anglican Communion and how they were handled at the 2022 conference, the major issues that were discussed at the 2022 conference, the necessity of maintaining a global perspective on issues facing the Anglican Communion, the importance of meeting with other members in the, of the Global Anglican Communion regularly, and tensions that define the Anglican Commune experience across the board. For example, the tension between our reverence for tradition and our openness to new ideas. The Anglican Communion is made of 42 member churches, also called provinces, and five other national or local churches known as extra-provincials. We are all linked through our historic connection with the Church of England and through four instruments of communion that guide all Anglican communion churches. The Archbishop of Canterbury, who is the primate of the Church of England and the spiritual leader of the Anglican communion. The 
Lambeth Conference, the subject of today's podcast, which is a meeting of the Anglican Communion's bishops. The Primates Meeting, which is a meeting of the leaders of each province. And the Anglican Consultative Council, which is the most representative body of gathered Anglicans among the instruments of communion. It includes members of the laity, archbishops, bishops, priests, deacons, provinces send two or three representatives and select them in different ways. And that council meets approximately every three years. So that's the sort of map that we're dealing with, the breakdown of how the Lambeth Conference fits in with the other instruments that unify the Anglican Communion. And in his first talk, Bishop Sutton gives a brief overview of its history and origins and what role it serves in the Anglican Communion. I've been privileged to attend two Lambeth Conferences in my tenure as bishop, first in 2008 when I was consecrated only two weeks before and now in 2022 at the just concluded this summer conference in Canterbury, England. This conference of Anglican bishops usually occurs once every decade, but the twin crises of one, divisions in the Anglican communion over human sexuality, and then two, the double crisis of the COVID pandemic, it delayed this 15th Lambeth conference until this year. And the conference is, at the same time, a family reunion of church-related and far-flung family members on the one hand, and on the other hand, a kind of semi-official gathering of bishops with a wide range of views on various topics who yet to try to speak to the world with one voice. So I ask you, given those problems, what could possibly go wrong? The first question is, what is the Anglican Communion? The Anglican Com Communion is one of the world's largest Christian communities, has close to 100 million members in more than 165 countries around the globe. And the Communion is organized into a series of provinces and extra-provincial areas. These provinces are then subdivided into dioceses and the dioceses into parishes. There are 42 provinces in the Anglican Communion, each one headed by a bishop called a primate, usually designated as archbishop, or in the case of the, of the Episcopal Church and a few other provinces, we prefer to call them the presiding bishop. And there are five extra provincial areas as well. Some provinces are national and some are regional. All are in communion that is, they have a reciprocal relationship with the see, the S-E-E -E of Canterbury, the Archbishop of Canterbury, and, the, and who recognize the Archbishop of Canterbury as the communion's spiritual head. But there is no central authority in the Anglican communion. All of the provinces are autonomous and are free to make their own decisions in their own ways guided by recommendations from the four instruments of unity, as they are commonly called. And they are, one, the Archbishop of Canterbury, two, the Lambeth Conference, three, the Primates Meeting 
of the 42 primates of the provinces, and then four, the Anglican Consultative Council. Just briefly about the historical roots of the Anglican Communion, the beginnings of, you may know about the beginnings of the Church of England, from which the Episcopal Church derives. It dates to at least the second century, but it's customary to regard St. Augustine of Canterbury in his mission to England in 597 as marking the formal beginning of the church under papal authority, which later became the Church of England. And of course, with the Great Reformation in the 16th century, the church broke in England broke away from Rome. In 1789, the American congregations, composed of in, at that time of nine American states, adopted the name the Protestant Episcopal Church of the United States of America, as their name formally separated themselves from the Church of England. Now, using the term Episcopal instead of Anglican emphasized our belief in the usage of the historical succession by the laying one of hands of the episcopacy, the historic episcopate, rather than the descriptive term Anglican, which emphasized our English roots from our mother church of England, much like the Scottish Episcopal Church. And thus the American Episcopal Church was incorporated as the first Anglican province outside of the British Isles. We recognize, of course, that the Church of England's presence in America dated back to the beginnings of the English settlers in the early 17th century, but it officially began in 1789. In terms of the Lambeth Conference, it was in 1867 that 76 Anglican bishops attended the first Lambeth Conference following an invitation from the Archbishop of Canterbury then, Charles Longley. So from 76 bishops meeting in 1867, we now have well over 800 bishops eligible to go to the Lambeth Conference. Over the years, the national churches gained independence from the Church of England and the Anglican Communion gradually became a global family of national and regional churches. Any group of global disparate people trying to build anything will experience tension related to cultural power imbalances, size imbalances, differing cultural mores, inequitable distribution of economic power, international political friction. There's any number of sources of conflict between nations, between tribes, between groups. Yet Christianity seeks to treat everyone as equal in the eyes of God, as brothers and sisters who follow Jesus. The tension between this call to treat one another with equal respect and the different levels of power Anglican Communion members bring to the table can hamper our efforts to do Christ's work in the world together. So in his next talk, Bishop Sutton considers how global power imbalances create difficulties for the Lambeth Conference. He also discusses how the Anglican Communion reacts to the idea of moral authority. He discusses what type of authority the Lambeth Conference has 
and explains why we give it this type of authority. Now, what specifically is the Lambeth Conference? The Lambeth Conference of Bishops began when the, in, the British Empire was the dominant global power. The outsized influence of the Church of England today in the Anglican Communion cannot be underestimated. And not just because the Archbishop of Canterbury is the universally recognized spiritual leader of the Communion, but the colonial descendants of the British Empire are bound together by its imperial roots and empire, and only secondarily because we are part of the worldwide Jesus movement as our presiding bishop, Michael Curry, describes global Christianity. And so anomalies, of course, abound. The first anomaly is that the Episcopal Church, based in the United States with 99 dioceses, is itself a global entity with 13 overseas dioceses in other countries and territories in its fold and is in several ways perhaps the most influential province in the Anglican Communion. The American Empire, and I use that word deliberately following the British Empire, and it was thus named the American Empire expressly at the recent Lambeth Conference as such. It stretches over the entire globe with immense and unparalleled political, military, cultural, and financial power. The world is presently defined in large part by American culture and values. And this reality lies at the heart of much of the tensions in the Anglican Communion today. So when the American church, commonly referred to in the Anglican communion as tech, the Episcopal church, when, when the American church speaks or acts, for better or for worse, the rest of the Anglican communion feels the need to respond, given our outsized financial and cultural influence. This, of course, sometimes brings admiration and gratitude but more often, envy, resentment, and yes, anger. It's important to remember our collective rooted, rootedness in separating in the 16th century from a much more hierarchical Roman Catholic Church. For all the appearances in our church of Roman Catholic polity and practices and piety and spirituality, in anti-ecclesiastical powers given to bishops, canonical structures and the like, Anglicans generally, and Episcopalians in particular, are very suspicious of individuals holding too much power. We get nervous when institutions tell us what to do, or to put it positively, we give great sway as Episcopalians to individual conscience in making moral decisions, but to put it more negatively, we just don't want anybody telling us what to do and what to think. Hence, the problem of the moral authority of the Lambeth Conference. 
When we speak of the moral authority of the church, our branch of Anglican Christians shy away from such talk. We prefer talk of dialogue or mutual discernment. Anglicans tend to love Catholic spirituality and piety, but not Catholic authority and power. Even though such luminaries as the former Archbishop of Canterbury, uh, Michael Ramsey, he talked about a growing sense of undefined but moral authority of the Lambeth Conference that was really not widely shared. That authority, he said, was not binding because modern church laws, he said, took the form of resolutions with legal force, not canons. The upshot is this, the end result has been the creation by Lambeth Conferences of a non-coercive uh, non -coercive body of non-binding decisions in which successive conferences appeal to earlier conferences as precedent alongside such other normative Christian sources as the Bible and tradition and the example of the early church. But Anglican ecclesiology, that is the way we think of ourselves in organizing ourselves as a church, has at least, at least since 1867 found itself in a near constant state of creative and ecumenically experimental and flux. And that's where we are. Most of us have heard the famous curse. It's commonly ascribed to the Chinese, but I looked it up and it's not actually part of Chinese tradition that anyone can see. But anyway, the curse is, may you live in interesting times. Across the globe, we are now, unfortunately, living in interesting times. The 2022 Lambeth Conference addressed many of the issues that make our times interesting and discussed how the global Anglican communion should address those issues. In this talk, Bishop Sutton gives an overview of some of the subjects the bishops discussed. So, given that the moral authority of the Anglican Communion is suspect, I'm now going to move into what were the particular issues facing this conference. Of course, the big issue that kept the provinces of Nigeria and Uganda and Rwanda from attending the conference, and several others as well, that issue is human sexuality and gender identity. At first, a resolution was put forward to this conference that said such things as when we uphold the faithfulness in marriage between a man and a woman in lifelong union, we believe that anybody who is outside of that configuration, they are not called to marriage. And it also said that those who experience themselves as having a homosexual orientation, that they really although full members of the body of Christ, 
weren't in good relationships that could be blessed by the church. That resolution that I just summarized, the conference did not affirm. It did not reaffirm. It was never even brought up to a vote at all because there was a recognition in the call that was made that we simply do not agree in the Anglican communion on that issue of orientation and identity. The issue of human sexuality is one that continues to, to divide not only the Anglican communion, but Christianity at large. Our brothers and sisters and siblings in many Christian denominations are still struggling over that issue. The issue is not resolved in the Episcopal Church, although we've moved forward with making it possible for those with different views to be able to remain in good standing in the church. Many of us came to the Lambeth Conference believing that it was going to be a Donnybrook. It was going to be a huge fight on what this conference would say. Instead, again, this conference merely stated the reality that we are not of one mind. Were there other matters besides human dignity and human sexuality that the conference address? Yes, and my friends, this is very important. We spent most of the conference talking about other grave matters that are of utmost concern not only to the church, but for the survival of the world. Such issues as creating in churches a safe, free zone from sexual harassment and exploitation. We talked a lot about what is the nature of mission and our need to evangelize, to proclaim the good news of God in Christ, reconciling the world to God's self. We talked more about Anglican identity. What does it mean to be this federation of churches that dares calls itself a communion? We spent a lot of time talking about Christian reconciliation in a violent world. We talked a lot about Christian unity and interfaith relationships and discipleship. There was much discussion in many presentations on the environmental crisis facing the world climate change, poverty, hunger, and violence. We, of course, spent much time in Bible study and in small groups. All of the bishops say that the small group experience was the most meaningful for them, perhaps, of anything at the conference. To sit down every day in prayer and Bible study across differences, cultural differences, gender, racial differences, language differences, was very powerful. And it touched my heart in my own small group to hear bishops from other parts of the world say what they spend a lot of time was figuring out ways to feed their people because of starvation. Bishops were scrambling to find food. If there were drought conditions because of climate change, it's not just hunger, but then it's also the dislocation of persons 
and the growth of the number of migrants across the world. These bishops were primarily concerned with survival. We live in a world that digital technology has made smaller than it used to be. My son, who is 14, one of his best friends lives in the Netherlands. He's never even seen him. People are coming together in very different ways than we have ever been able to do before. We can discuss ideas through media, books and articles, like always, but also blogs, web pages, discord, social media of other types, videos, podcasts, digital classes like the ones on Church Next. We can meet virtually, talk to or text one another and communicate in many other ways without seeing one another. So why does the Lambeth Conference and opportunities like it for members of the Anglican Communion to meet in person still matter? Bishop Sutton completes his discussion today by talking about the great value that remains in meeting in person. And he hopes that the future will bring more opportunities for Anglicans to do this, not fewer. So, my friends, I now want to address the question, why, why is all this important? And wouldn't it just be a waste of time for bishops to gather together in this way if they can't speak with final authority on all matters? Well, I ask you to consider this. If the leaders of the church never met, how are we the church? When Archbishop Desmond Tutu was once asked to describe an Anglican, he replied with a twinkle in his eye, we meet. What he was speaking to was the importance of an embodied Christianity, not just in the world of ideas and thoughts and feelings and books, but real people interacting with other fellow human beings. There is a power there. If the Anglican communion is to be a family of churches at all, then that family must meet. How would it be in your family if you never got together over the dinner table? And in an extended family, if you never met for such big occasions as Thanksgiving or Christmas, or when there are great times of celebration or times of sadness. When at any level people fail to meet, then the church is diminished. If anything, there should be more occasions for more Anglicans, not just bishops, to get together. If for no other reason, because it is very important to see the church from a global perspective. For instance, in attending the Lambeth Conference, and looking at the photographs or the videos of that conference, one quickly realizes that the Anglican communion is not mostly white and wealthy. In North America and in Europe, we may have an idea for what the Anglican communion is, but then you know that North America and Europe clearly are not in the majority in, the, in world Christianity. 
When I became an Episcopalian as a young adult, I chose this church from another Christian denomination. And a number of my friends would ask me, Eugene, why are you joining this white denomination? Because I was raised in the black church, in the black church tradition. But then I replied to them, well, actually, I belong to a mostly black church because I'm an Anglican. I was referring to the fact that the most common demographic profile of a typical Anglican is a young African woman. The, Lam the Lambeth Conference is the only vehicle for most bishops to really experience the diversity of the church. And we have an extraordinary idea as Anglicans. That revolutionary idea is that we can only get at the fullest truth, the fullest expression of the truth, when we can all stay together. And I really believe that as Anglicans in this diverse worldwide body, if we can just stay together, we will get at the greater truths. Because if we remain apart in our own silos, whether as dioceses or as parishes or as individuals, then our perspective is limited. We do not see the world as it really is. To be an Anglican means that you meet and you have siblings from around the world. There is one other beautiful thing about the Anglican communion that is fully expressed in the Lambeth Conference. And that is the profound experience of knowing that you are deeply connected to an ancient tradition. We say prayers that are ancient prayers. You are reminded that we are an old church and we are not giving up the old prayers, the old rituals, the old rites, because they matter to us. But the other thing is that we hold in tension with that, the idea that we will always be looking to the future and know that the Holy Spirit may be calling us to some new things. Notice the tension. We hold on to the old. And we also are open to the new. Holding on to tradition. Experimenting with new ways of thinking. Even new theology sometimes. New ways of thinking about human beings and who they are. To be an Anglican means that we can hold both of those things in tension. The Lambeth Conference reminded me, and it reminded many others, that we are trying to hold those things together. And that means because we hold those in tension, we are sometimes in tension because we're not always in the same place. We are Catholic and we are evangelical. We are traditional and we are progressive. We are old and we also are new all the time. That is the end of Bishop Sutton's talk on the Lambeth Conference. For an overview of the Lambeth Conference and its history, you might want to check out the Lambeth Conference, Theology, History, Polity, and Purpose, the first 150 years. 
That's edited by Paul Avis and Benjamin Geyer. There are some recent perspectives on the churches of the Global Anglican Communion working together. You might try Walking Together, Global Anglican Perspectives on Reconciliation. Witnessing Together, Global Anglican Perspectives on Evangelism and Witness. And Listening Together, Global Anglican Perspectives on Renewal of Prayer and the Religious Life. The Anglican Consultative Council created all of those. You might also be interested in other Church Next classes on the Episcopal Church and its leadership roles. You might try the Episcopal Tradition with Frank Wade, an American Prayer Book, a Global Prayer Book with Tom Ferguson, What Bishops Do with Kirk Smith, and for a good overview, Walk in Love for the Church with Scott Gunn and Melody Shobe. also wanted to let y'all know that we have a live class coming up with the very Reverend Kate Moorhead Carroll. It's called Vital Signs of Faith. It's a live class that starts October 26th. You can find out more about it at churchnext.tv. It's a great opportunity to learn how to monitor your spiritual health as well as you do your physical health or possibly better than you do your physical health. She talks a lot about how we are trained to take care of our bodies and our souls need the same monitoring and spiritual leaders are supposed to be helping us learn to do that, kind of like doctors. And so she's a spiritual leader, so she's doing this live class. And starts October 26th, meets from 8 to 9 Eastern Time. And it's well worth your time. She's a great teacher, and I think it'll be a great class. That's the end of today's podcast. Thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to learn more about us, again, go to churchnext.tv and we'll close with a prayer for unity recommended by Archbishop Welby. Lord Jesus, who prayed that we all might be one, we pray to you for the unity of Christians according to your will, according to your needs. May your spirit enable us to experience the suffering caused by division, to see our sin, and to hope beyond all. Amen.